0: Take your Bible tonight and turn, if you would, to Exodus chapter number three. Exodus chapter number three. If you've got a Schofield King James Bible, that'd be page 73. Exodus chapter number three. When you find your place, just stand together. Amen. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, Why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh thither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and heard their cry, my reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land, that land into a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Parasites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is coming to me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. One more time, verse number 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and a bush was not consumed. If I had a thought tonight, it would be this. When God invades your comfort zone. When God invades your comfort zone. Let's pray one more time. Bill, how about you praying, brother? What is a comfort zone? Well, someone has said, "Is that place where there is ease and no issues, and and, uh, it is that place that we become very comfortable in. I have known many comfort zones, and no doubt many of you have what you would call your comfort zone. It's amazing to me, as I have pastored down through the years, that some folks can even take a sickness or disease and literally it can become their comfort zone. For some, they can take their uh, drama. They, they got to have drama. If there's no drama going on, they'll start something. They got to have drama. And that becomes their comfort zone. But tonight, what I want you is to see as a church and as born-again believers, and that is this that you cannot keep a thrice holy God from invading your comfort zone. And perhaps tonight, as we look in revival in just a few days, maybe that would be the, one of the greatest things God could do for us, is move us or invade our comfort zone. Isn't it amazing if I were to ask tonight, and I've been thinking about this all week, if I were to ask you tonight, uh, give me your definition of church. Do you love your church? Give me a definition of Christianity. Do you love the Lord? If I were to ask those kind of questions, we would probably be amazed at the answers that we would get. But I find a man here. Started out, of course, we know his miracle delivery as Pharaoh is killing all the baby boys. And as he gives the decree, and of course, Moses' mother puts him in a, in a little ark, sends him down the river. We know the story. We know how that Pharaoh's daughter found him. And, you know, she said, you know, there's one little baby boy you're not going to kill. You're not killing this one. And so, literally, you've got to love God. Uh, the fact that they hired his mother to take a, She got paid to raise her son, amen, by the devil's crowd. Isn't that something? And so, as he grew and was trained and taught and educated, for the first 40 years. And so, one day, however, as he was watching a Hebrew and um, um, an Egyptian fighting, they were battling, and the Bible says that Moses killed the Egyptian and literally buried him in the sand few days later, this same Hebrew, because he's the only one that knew about it, was find somebody else. You get the idea of the Hebrew was a troublemaker, and so he's to find someone else, and Moses breaks him up and said, "Boys, you shouldn't be doing this and almost immediately, Hebrew said, "Are you going to kill me and bury us in the sand like you did that Egyptian and he began the course. Of his second, his second 40 year term. He goes to meet him. And there he meets up with Jethro. And while he's there. He marries. And he does all. He, he gets married. He, he sets up home. He, he does all the things. Literally. He sets himself up a comfort zone. He literally becomes very comfortable. No doubt for a few years, he had been concerned about what had happened. No doubt he had been concerned with his past. But as time went, he little by little by little, the past become a faded memory. And soon, He was very, very, very comfortable in living in Jethro's house, taking, marrying, having a family, and doing his business. And then, and then, God shows up. I've been praying for many of you this week. I don't know if there's anything greater than that could happen than for God to show up for you. No, I'm not talking about for salvation. Of course, if you're lost tonight, if you're lost tonight, boy, it'd be a good time to get saved. Oh, I'm talking about something much greater than that. I'm talking about God doing something for you that would change you for a time in eternity. God would do something uniquely for you that you would never get away from or never get over. I find in this story very unusual thing. He has been now 40 years. I figure he doesn't even talk about Egypt anymore. I'm, uh, I, I doubt very seriously that it had even entered his mind. No doubt someone said, Aren't you the Moses that God was going to raise up to be the great leader? I believe Moses would have looked at you and said, Oh man, that's, that's past history. Wow. Hey dude, that's, that's over. That's, that's past. That'll never happen now. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, right out of the blue, God shows up and invades His comfort zone. Three things tonight. And I'll be done. Number one. He comes in an unforeseen time. The Bible says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flocks to the backside of the desert. Came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. Now let me tell you what he was doing. He was attending the sheep. He was leading them out there. No doubt, but because he was a shepherd, he had already made plans. He had already cleared off some some property. He would already made some plans for another place to take them when, when this grass run out. No doubt he knew we would take him to water him. No doubt he had all, everything laid out. All of his life had been planned. Everything had been set up. Everything was, it was a day just like any other day. But in a very unforeseen time. Hey, Moses, did you see this coming? Moses would have said, Ain't no way, no way! I saw this coming. It's amazing to me as he becomes and he gets on the scene. Here's a man that started out being a ruler, then become a renegade, and now here, straight out of the blue. See, here he was in a it was an amazing place in his life. He was not. He was not. An Egyptian, nor was the Hebrews accepting him for 40 years. He's out here taking care of sheep. He's got his family. He's got a job. He's got everything. See, that's where a whole lot of us are. We're living so much for this world. We got a job. We got our toys. We got our money. We got our things. We got our plans. We've had all of our plans. But what do you do when God? Shows up in an unforeseen time. Without warning, without notice, God didn't even send him a letter. God didn't send him a text. God didn't even send an angel to say, God's on his way. God didn't give him anything whatsoever God said in an unforeseen time he's going to show up first time I ever experienced this was in 1989 I was exactly where so many of God's people are today we went to church if we didn't have nothing else to do. We did and miss. And what was really sad about it was we didn't even think we were wrong. We went to church, we went to Sunday school, we done all the church things. And I mean, as far as good church people, we were. But the truth was, we live for this world. Everything in our lives centered around this world. And I must be honest with you, I was almost to the point of just saying, Is this it? Surely it's got to be more than this. And at the pastor where I went to church... Said, You want to go to pastor school? Oh yeah, I'll go with you. Had surrendered to preach. Wasn't interested in preaching. Last thought on my mind was preaching. In nineteen eighty nine, on a Thursday at lunchtime, sitting in a balcony, I talking to God. For the first time, God invaded my world. I knew I was saved, but I never had God to speak to my heart. And I'll be honest, I was totally caught off guard. I, I remember sitting there, and it's the strangest. And I, don't, I know you don't hear God audibly. Don't, don't, don't look at me like, man, you're hearing voices. No, I didn't hear him audibly. But I sat there and I said, But God, I see what you're doing here, Lord, but does that work at home? Will that work there? And for the first time, I began to see a God that's so much bigger and greater and mightier. I've ever seen in my life. God had invaded my comfort zone. And I'll be honest, when I came back, I was different. And what was so interesting about it is as we came by, we were driving back, my pastor said, looked at me and he said, you know, this really wasn't a very good pastor school this year. I'm standing over there dying and saying, Are you kidding? Are you kidding? This has been wonderful. But you have to understand something. God knew that there was something in my heart that was looking and longing. See, the day... God invaded my comfort zone. Now, He's invaded a lot of comfort zones since. I'll share one more. On a Tuesday night, a revival meeting, and I had already given God the list. I had told God when, whenever, whenever we pay off this and pay off this and pay off this, and pal, this I'm going full time in the ministry. I done give him the numbers, done give him all the plan. And by the way, it was a good one. I matter of fact, that very day, me and Darlene sat at our table, and I said, "Honey, as soon as we get this, 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 this done, I'm going full time in the ministry." And Tuesday night revival meeting. James Locke's preaching on Moses and Jacobed and his mom and daddy. And he said this, When will you believe God to do? Sitting on a pew. Nobody else seen him. I didn't invite him. But he slipped up beside me and said, uh, Hmm. I want that job. I remember the preacher preaching. And I remember thinking, God, I don't give you the plan. I don't give you the numbers. God, we can't make it. And you know what? We couldn't make it. I want you to get a hold of something. We couldn't do it. He said, I want that job. And I said, but God. God said, quit your buttin', you goat. I was listening to a kid the other day. He's talking about, he said, he got to see him bringing in the sheaves and pushing out the goats. He said, but God. And I knew that night, God invaded my comfort zone and said I want that now God may never ask any of you to do that whatsoever but I'm telling you tonight he may come in and say hey dear Christian I want this but God we have done God plans and God said no no I want that because you see It wasn't the job, the money, the bills. God was wanting me. And I didn't expect it. I didn't foresee it. It came in a totally unforeseeable time. You're not going to box God in to do it in your timetable and on your schedule. Some say, I've got, got a plan for my life. What are you going to do when God, in an unforeseen time, invades your comfort zone? What do you do with that? Moses came and God did that. Second, got to hurry. Second, an undeniable testimony. I love this. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. Now let me just stop right there and say this. God doesn't call lazy people. Gideon was a threshing of wheat when God invaded his comfort zone. Samuel was a servant in the tabernacle when God invaded his comfort zone. David was carrying sheep uh, for sheep when God invaded his comfort zone. Elisha was a plowing with twelve, uh, uh, 12 oxen when God invaded his comfort zone. Matthew was collecting taxes when God. "...invaded his comfort zone." Matter of fact, the Bible very clear about laziness. "...I went by the field of sloth, and by the vineyard of a man void of understanding. And it was all grown over with thorns and nestles, and had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. And then I saw and considered it well, and looked upon it, and received instruction." Yeah, a little sleep and a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth, and thy won't as an armed man. Nobody you can't help a lazy person, amen. No matter who it is. But notice what God did. First thing, when God invaded his comfort zone, he come in an unforeseen time. Second He gave him an undeniable testimony. And he had to get his attention. If God uses Moses, he's got to get his undivided attention. So what does he do? He sets a bush on fire. Now, a bush on fire is no big deal in the desert. And in the wilderness, very common thing I've read. So the bush on fire would not have been no big deal. But this bush kept burning, kept burning, kept burning, and kept burning. And I could just see Moses, he's tending his sheep, he's got his staff in his hand. He looks over there and he says, wow, bush is on fire, man, it's hot today. And he walks home. He says, wow. Hey man, that bush is still burning. And he goes on a little further. He says, wow. <laughs> that bush is still burning. Now, to get his undivided attention, he does something that is totally different. He does something to get His attention. Sometimes God, when He invades our comfort zone, will bring something in our life that is, that is so contrary to everything we know or think. And it becomes something to get our attention. And, uh, and He's got to do that. Because if He doesn't get Moses' attention... He will continue staying in his comfort zone. He's got to get his attention. I won't even begin to venture how God chooses to get our attention. I will tell you this. He can get your attention. He can get your attention. Down through the years, he's gotten my attention Many different ways and many different times. And he can choose a whole slew of things because here's why you cannot put it in a box. Because what might get my attention, he might just walk by it and think nothing of it. For instance, if you might see something and say, oh, yeah, yeah, i I've seen that before I, I was going down the road not long ago and um, I, I, something got my attention and it was a dude on a moped had a five gallon bucket on the back of that thing here's what got my attention how'd he keep it on there I got to wonder did he screw that thing down did he tie it down how did he keep that bucket from coming off the back of that moped? Now, you might, have, you might have had a moped and put a bucket on it. That wouldn't have got your attention, you'd say. Yeah, I've done that. But that got my attention because i would never seen anybody put a bucket on a moped. God comes along tonight. And I ain't so sure that God ain't doing that in our church right now. And wanting to get our attention... Because you see, he wants to get Moses a little closer. What this was, was what's called a theophany. It's an Old Testament appearance of the Lord. Many believe it was a theophany. But for him to get his, his attention, his, but for him to get a little closer, he's got to get his attention. Now God has changed my attention about a lot of things. Years ago, I thought, "Why does God want to call somebody to preach, shake a tree, and ten to fall out? Why does God need another preacher?" God changed my whole mindset about that. Now, now I look at preaching totally different. And so we find that God, but notice, notice, not only now. Let me stop here and say this: You read most commentaries. And most commentaries will tell you that Bush represented Israel. That has been on fire, but it's never been consumed. And I, I think there's probably some truth to that. I thought it was interesting how Hitler tried his best to destroy Israel. And he, he wasn't uh, able to do so. I, I love that. I love that story about the Bismarck. That, that tremendous, awesome battleship. And, and yet, God sent one little torpedo, hit the rudder, hit frozen in place, and all they could do is go around and around like a sitting duck until the, until the uh, Royal uh, Navy just uh, uh, sunk it. Because you know why? God's still in charge, amen. And so Moses said, I will now turn aside. Now don't miss this. God, when He invades your comfort zone, an unforeseen time, an undeniable testimony. First, what he's seen. He saw a bush that wasn't consumed. Second, what he heard. God had to get his attention, and then God had something to say to him. Has God ever gotten your attention? I'm talking about, has he ever gotten your attention to where he can talk to you? Has he? Let me give you one illustration. I told you how that God come and said, I want that job. See, what you don't understand, I would love more days than not To go back to a job. I really would. I love what I do. I'm thrilled and I'm going to obey God. But I would love to do that sometimes. And God said I want that job. But the day came. When I decided. I decided. I'm I'm not doing this. I'm going back to work. So God had to get my attention again. And the way he got my attention was he let me fall off a ladder I'd been up a thousand times and break the third vertebrate up. You know why? Because God had something to say. Hey stupid, you're not doing that. You may do it, but you're not going to do it with a good back, I'll tell you that. So Moses comes. So what he's seen, notice what he heard. And when the Lord saw that He turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, "Moses, Moses." And He said, "Here am I." And God begins to do that thing, that you know something has happened, but you're just not sure what it is. God is a master at getting your attention. Why a burning bush? Why that day? Why that time? Because he's got something to say to him. An unforeseen time. An undeniable testimony. That testimony become Moses' unique testimony. Down the road, someone would say, Moses, what are you doing down here leading the children of Israel? Well, let me tell you about a bush. Let me tell you when God showed up. Let me tell you when God invaded my comfort zone. Can I ask you a question? Do you have a testimony? I mean, do you have a time? I praise God for a testimony of salvation. Hallelujah for that. I'm talking about as a Christian. Do you have a testimony of what God has done for you? I mean uniquely you, not someone else. Do you have a testimony? Because an unforeseen time, an undeniable testimony will lead to an unthinkable task. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Aren't you glad tonight? He knows exactly where you're at tonight. He knows every pain, every heartbreak. He knows every tear that's been shed. He knows exactly where you're at. Notice verse number 9. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is coming to me, And I've also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now Moses should have said, Hallelujah, praise God. It's finally come about. Now finally I can do what God originally put in my heart to do. But you know what he does? He starts crawfishing. Everybody know what crawfishing is? He starts backing up. He's been in this comfort zone for 40 years. He's done, decided, it's over, can't happen, won't happen, and then God invades his comfort zone. And he says, Moses, Moses, yeah Lord, my young'uns are crying in Egypt. And I want you to go get them. And he gave five reasons why he couldn't. And I think God, we give God the same five reasons. Why we won't let God invade our comfort zone? Number one, I'm just a nobody. I'm a nobody. Moses said to God, "Who am I that I should go into Pharaoh, that I bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt?" See, God had already uh, this forty years on the backside of this desert. He had taken everything out of Moses. Moses said, "Who am I, God? You?" you God, hold it, time out. God, you missed it. You you need to find somebody down the road because I'm a nobody. Can I stop and help you tonight? If you're somebody, God probably won't use you. God's only looking for nobodies that He can make somebody out of. I'm a nobody. Notice what else He said. I don't even know your name. And Moses said unto God, God, when I come unto the children of Israel, say to them, the God of your father has sent me unto you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? He said, I don't even know your name. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. Number three. Boy, I like this one. The people won't believe. The people won't believe me, and Moses answered, "said, but behold, they will not believe me nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, the Lord had not appeared unto thee." May I say, if God invades your comfort zone, he'll move the people around you. I like this one. I'm not a good speaker. Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither here uh, to fore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. I'm slow of speech and of am slow to... God, I just can't speak in front of a crowd. I, there's, there's no way I can speak in front of a crowd. God, I just can't do... I, I, I just can't do that. Then last of all, and boy, this is where so many block the comfort, the block God invading your comfort zone. Somebody else can do it better. And he said, "O my Lord, sin I play thee by the hand of him whom thou wilt send." In other words, God. Somebody else can do it better. God, don't I? I, I got my comfort zone. My family my sheep. God, somebody else can do it better. Now, I may just go ahead and help you now, but God said, "Nope, nope." Everything He said, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. He said, "Hey, get Aaron, get your brother. By the way, Aaron become a thorn in the flesh." To him. And he said, Get Aaron and go. What I want you to see tonight is this. When God invades your comfort zone, He'll do it in an unforeseen time. You're not even going to, you have no idea. And that's what I'm wanting God to do for some of us. I'm asking God because I believe we got some great people. I believe we got some people that are saved. I believe we got some people that in your heart, you love God. But you have never had God to invade your comfort zone. He'll give you an undeniable testimony that regardless of what happens in your life, no matter what people around you do or do not do, when people you love disappoint you or just quit you, when you have an undeniable testimony of what God has done for you, no matter what goes on around you, you can run back and say, I remember that day. I remember the day when God spoke to my heart. When God was more than something I talked about at church. When God was something more. When God was something more than somebody else. talked. When God becomes something more than somebody that I thought lived on the throne. When He becomes more my God, my God, and a God that hears and answers when I pray. When I, He's my God and an undeniable testimony to no matter what, nobody else does. And trust me, if you live for God, there, you, there's going to be a lot of things you're not going to wrap your mind around. I, I, I was thinking about our church and, and, and I'm not wanting to discourage you by no means of the world, but man, we we we've had some we've had some challenges this year. I mean, so if you start thinking from January on, we have had some major major challenges. But you know what? God still on the thro- is still in control of it all. And when you have that undeniable testimony, then you can do the unthinkable task. That which, by yourself, you know you would surely fail. Tonight, has God ever invaded your comfort zone? I don't know where you're at tonight. I wish... Years ago, years ago, that I would have had somebody to have preached. And somebody to have said and encouraged me, get all the God He'll give you. Get all He'll give you. And you know what tonight? He'll give you all you want. And maybe tonight you need God to do something for you. Now you say, will it be done tonight? Probably not. Probably not. When will it be? That unforeseen time. When you least expect it. When you least expect it to happen. One more testimony and I'll be done. Because I serve a great God. I, I've been on, I, I, I was thinking about today. Uh, we've been on the road all day long. It's been amazing, been unbelievable. But uh, one day I, I started at Valdez. I went to Valdez. I went to Grace Hospital. I left Grace Hospital. Went to Caldwell. Went from Caldwell to Catawba and back to Fry all in one day, just one complete circle. I got back to the church. And I got a call and said, Would you go see so and so? Um, and well, I'm member of the church. Went along. And I said, Yeah, yeah, gladly. Hung up and quarreled and fussed. I mean, complained and griped just like a, some of you, just the whole way down the room. All the way down to the hospital. Got to the room. Walked in, and they've gone home. "Ah!" You know, just in a tinsy. And I walk out. And start down the hallway. Hey, yous! Is you a preacher? And a little black woman is sitting in a chair. Those words just crushed me. And I said, ma'am, I'm trying. I'm trying. She said, come here. I've been waiting all day for somebody to come and pray with me. And she said, you pray first. She said, you bow right here. I got down in front of her. She, she said, you pray first. I said something, you know, and I, I felt about that big. And she started praying. And she patted me on top of the head. I honestly believe, had I looked up, I'd saw the Lord. I'd never seen anything like it. I got up and I walked out. Totally unforeseen. And an undeniable testimony. Here was the unthinkable task. I have never, I have never made a visit to the hospital as I did that day ever again. If I go to a hospital and nobody's there, I stop and I pray. Okay, God, who am I supposed to be here to see? Who have you got me here to see? And it has been the most amazing thing. I was walking down a hall one day, and a man said, hey, are you a preacher? I said, yes, sir. He said, come me. He took me, went straight into prayer. Intensive care. He didn't start and ask for a nurse. Nothing. He went in. He walked in. He, he took his hat off. He, put, he said, They tell me my wife is dying. Please pray for her. And we prayed. And three days later, I see him in the hallway. Hey, preacher! Hey! She's doing just fine. She gets to go home tomorrow. Wow. You see... If all you live for is this world, then you miss one of, some of the greatest things it is knowing a God and saying, "God, I'm a candidate for you to invade my comfort zone." Now you might mess up your plans. So be careful what you're asking. But I'm glad Moses allowed God to invade his comfort zone. Let's so all stand to our feet. Your head behind right, close your eye closed.